to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you need to develop into a better leader, this podcast is for you. If you want to achieve a greater level of success, this podcast is for you. His mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, said it best, everything rises and falls on leadership. We hope to inspire you today and provide you with an insight that has the potential to positively impact the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Coach Busy. Uh, very happy to come to you live uh, this morning on LinkedIn. And I have a very, very special guest today. We're going to be talking with David Moyes. He is the president and CEO of Decide Consulting in Houston, Texas, and also a member of the Bob Technology Council. How are you doing today, David? Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Very, very glad uh, to have you live on LinkedIn. If you could share with us kind of like your leadership journey, how you came to become uh, president and CEO of uh, Decide Consulting. Short answer is I started the company, but a little bit longer answer is, I mean, for years and years, I was a software developer, worked at a variety of just different IT consulting companies, some of them, some big names that are out there. And uh, everywhere I was at, I was always that guy. And when I say that guy, I was the one who helped write the proposals. I went on sales calls with the account executives, made them look good. If there was a project that had a problem, they stuck me on it and said, David, go fix it. Um, I was the one doing the technical interviewing on a bunch of people. And, you know, it just got to a point. I always had an entrepreneurial streak. And I was always looking for, hey, what can I do one day? And it just struck me, I am making a lot of money for a lot of other people. Maybe I can do that for myself. And that's how the side started. Um, early on, when we first got going, we were doing a lot of custom software development. Uh, some years back, I noticed that uh, when the phone rang, it was a lot more for we need, a de- we need a software developer. We need a network engineer. And we started doing more recruiting. Uh, and less project-based work. And right now we just got into a phase where it's uh, we scaled back some things that we do in terms of salespeople. And uh, it's me working with companies on their technical town strategies. I've done both sides of the fence, what they have and what we do. And so this is uh, my sweet spot now. Well, this is this is really, really great. Uh, when we talk about leadership, tell me a little bit more about sales, right? Because I, I have a lot of people who follow me on LinkedIn and they, always feel kind of strange about this sell stuff, right? Selling services or products, or sometimes even selling them themselves. What did you have to learn about sales in order to be successful, especially being an entrepreneur kind of growing your own business? What did I have to learn about, uh, repeat, sorry, repeat uh, the question? Yeah, about the uh, sales uh, process, just being being able to go out, out there and sell, right? Because to, to me, Sales and marketing are kind of like you no know, the uh, uh, the heart center of any uh, of any business, and I feel like anybody who wants to become a leader really needs to uh, uh, learn how to do marketing and sales. And, and yes, you do, and it's difficult. I mean, a lot of people out there, especially in technology, they're good at something. They can really provide value to a lot of companies and their employers. And they know that they're good at something. They're the person on their project that just gets things over the finish line and completes the task um, and who the companies are relying on. But then to start convincing other people you can do that and getting the word out there, that's tough. It's difficult. Uh, A lot of tech people are somewhat inwardly looking about their uh, products and technology 
spending a lot of time learning about new things and there's always something new coming out there. But how do you actually start dedicating time to, I need to communicate my message out there. At the end of the day, it is nothing more than just a commitment to getting that message out there. And that message could be hiring a third party to start making phone calls and doing some marketing for you. You going out there and posting things on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, how much do you want to dedicate to it? Whether you want to keep it internal with some guerrilla marketing tactics or, uh, you know, bring in third parties. Um, all the companies that do this, you know, wind up doing some combination of all of the above. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're an individual, you have to decide this is what I'm going to do. Find your specialization, find your value lane that you provide the most and start, <laughs> start, take that first step, do something. Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, I think it is very, very important to get started, right? We need to follow sometimes to talk about uh, uh, paralysis by analysis. And uh, what uh, sometimes uh, happens is uh, people have a lot of great ideas, but they never, never take action. So definitely taking action is extremely important. Now, once we do, especially if you are working on a very not worthy project, more than likely you can do it all by yourself, right? You're going to have to develop a team. How has it been for you kind of uh, forming teams that work uh, closely with you and uh, effectively in order to accomplish the mission of your uh, business? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a big challenge. Um, I would say when it came to forming technical teams, that was always something I had a knack with. I could tell, you know, who was good, who wasn't, who was going to provide some value, um, who was going to be dragging the team down. Um, you, know, you, you could, you know, you want to you know, surround yourself by people who are going to provide the value. Uh, when it comes to, you know, a sales team and other people around you, you know, from a technical person, that's a tougher thing to figure out. Um, and at the end of the day, it's some trial and error is really you need to make some type of uh, key, key performance indicators. You know, this is what I'm expecting you to do. This is what we're going to be seeing in two months, three months, four months down the road. And if we're not going to meet that, do you need to move on? Do you uh, need to uh, provide them with some different things? Those are tough calls. Those are tough calls. Uh, related to that, I would actually say, and you kind of see some stuff behind me, core values. I mean, what are you as your company, if you're starting off, define some core values. And one of the better pieces of advice I ever got was stick to core values, hire to them, fire to them as well. And that's the tougher one to do because um, yes. you have to decide if uh, this is what we just stand for. This is what we're going to do. Uh, action example actually over here um it's yes. you know i want people who are going to be acting every day and always moving forward always progressing you know there's a lot that's behind that um so decide what you want to have decide what it's going to look like make it sure it's reasonable and then hire and fire according to those yeah i think that is quite critical especially fire according to your core value because i've worked for quite a lot of businesses so far and they all have core values everywhere and uh, they tend to hire by them but not always hire right when people do not exhibit those value they tend to stay and sometimes they even get promoted which i think lowers the morale for everybody else can you tell us more about that 
Yeah, too many times, I mean, everyone's seen this, oh, we want to provide the most outstanding customer experience, but we can't. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's great. It sounds good, but it, it doesn't hold a lot. And if you're looking to start off and you're saying, what would I buy or something for? That suddenly makes it much more real. And, you know, you still want to throw in who do I want to hire for? But when you're hiring, everyone sounds like they're really good. Uh, everyone's promoting themselves <laughs> the best. But once they're around for two months, three months, you know, you fought, suddenly realize, oh, there's a divergence about, you know, what they were in the beginning. Sometimes they realize things about you and they didn't completely understand what you were looking for. So it's hiring and firing and thinking about, you know, when I'm coming up with core values, what would I hire for? What would I fire for? It just makes it very real to you. Wow. I uh, really like uh, what you said. One of my mentors, Brian Tracy, always talked about zero-based thinking, right? Uh, what would, knowing what I know now, uh, what 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 needs to uh, to change? Right? Yesterday, I did something based on the knowledge I had, but now I have more more knowledge. So knowing what I knew, what I know today, what needs to be different? What do I need to do that is going to move myself uh, uh, forward? And I think sometimes some of the tough questions that leaders really have to ask and have to be very very clear. Uh, about so thinking of, about yourself like maybe in your on 20s or so just getting started knowing what you know today is there anything that you would have done uh, different talking to your 20s something you're you're old today yeah, that's a that's a long list <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um boy there'd be a lot of things uh you know buy amazon early buy microsoft early uh besides that um so it, it would be uh, just focus on what you do best. Don't get distracted by different things and different advice. Sometimes you get talked into going a slightly different direction. It may sound good at the time, but when you get off of what's true to what you do best and true to what you know, is when things start falling, you know, going different directions and you losing control of it. So just be careful about what you knowing what you're best at and sticking to that, coming up with your plan, sticking to that. Um, and, and, you know, just watch the advice of people that you're talking to. Do they have your best interests or are they trying to get something better for themselves? Um, nice. You know, and, and I've had people that I've worked for and they, you know, it was more about what they could get out of it. And grant every employee that you hire, you know, they need to get something out of it. But you know, it needs to be a two-way street. You can't just be giving somebody to something. They need to bring bring something to the table for you. Um, you know, and it, ideally, it's going to be uh, you know symbiotic, and uh, everyone wins. Uh, but you just have to make sure that everyone wins, not just one party, including yourself. So. Well, that is uh, very, very uh, insightful and wise. Knowing yourself, your core value, who you stand for, not not trying to be something different just to please somebody else. And uh, I really like also adding value to others and others adding value back back to you as as well. Now, being an entrepreneur, like I, I have a couple of friends who now become founders, and uh, one of the challenges I've seen is raising capital. How in the world do you raise money for a new uh, venture. Uh, in, anything you can share on that? Did you say raising capital? Yes, as a as an entrepreneur starting a new venture. Yeah, I, I that that that's an interesting one. I would say when 
I got going here. It was a bootstrap uh, type of ordeal. Um, it was just growing slowly. Uh, I talked to some people about some capital. And I mean, just my experience at the time was that was a treadmill. And when I say treadmill, it was always somebody saying, well, go write this up for me. Go write that up for me. And I realized all I'm doing is writing something up based on a whip it or a flippant comment that they made in the last week or so. Um, geez, I'm suddenly spending 10, 15 hours a week, you know, try, you know, dealing with that. Or I could be working for my customers and finding some more in my own business. Which way do I want to go? Um, so I, I, I've never had outside capital into the company. It is always a bootstrap type of event for me. Um, the one thing I would say is there's SBA loans out there that are less treadmilly. And, uh, um, you know, if you want to go that direction, that's absolutely a good thing. We've taken advantage of that before, much later on when I wanted to expand some salespeople um, and expand some services at the time. But for the most part, it was... Uh, we, we, we bootstrap things here and, uh, yeah. So ex external capital sources, quite never my thing. No, no, that is, that is very, very, uh, uh, important to know because whenever people invest into your business, uh, sometimes they make you change it. Right. And, uh, they definitely uh, want a return on investment and sometimes you cannot lose, uh, ownership and even the, the ability to make future decision on which direction uh, you should go. So definitely something to be uh, very uh, concerned about. Now, lo looking at, at your LinkedIn profile, you've pretty much been in consulting forever, like for the past 20, 20 plus years or so. Are there any benefit in being a consultant as opposed to being like a uh, full-time uh, employee and, and working for just one company? Like what, what benefit have you have you seen in your career always being in a, some type of consulting firm and then eventually uh, starting your own business? Yeah, it, it, uh, it wasn't really by design. I did that when I started off way back when with uh, one of the big eight consulting firms, which is what they're we're called then, it's four now. Um, I, I, I started at one and got recruited by another and then went to another. Um, at each step of the way, I was always working for companies that were surrounded by their full-time employees. Um, it the, the consulting world just gave me exposure to more projects, more cultures, more environments. And I would say one of the big wins for me was that we learned, or I learned, that you know, the problems that company A are the same problems that they have at company B. Um, and, uh, a lot of people were at the companies and say, oh my gosh, look at us. We, you know, don't like this, don't like that. And, uh, you know, Hey, it's the same thing wherever you're at. So, I mean, it's the same type of problems. I mean, they may come in different colors, but at the end of the day, the variations about what you see at one company versus another are not that great. So just the consulting background always, you know, exposed that to me. I've enjoyed working for myself. I've enjoyed having my own freedom. At times when I'm doing this, it definitely, you know, there are days that are frustrating and you're thinking, geez, wouldn't it be great just to get a job and uh, go somewhere and I show up. Work, and, yeah, less pressure. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't know how to do anything else. Well, 
that is um, very interesting to know because I've been in consulting uh, for about maybe five years or so. And I noticed, especially as an IT guys, uh, you get so much more out of one year of consulting than you would working for just one company for a year, right? With all of the clients uh, you have, it's, it's just uh, amazing the experience and the diversity of you know, just things that you get exposed to. And I have so many people on LinkedIn who ask me, how in the world do I get into cyber security and get experience? And I always uh, advise them to become a consultant because you, you're going to have so many clients and see all types of different technology stack and you're going to learn so much more than you would if you were just working for a single uh, company. But uh, anyway, yeah. that's uh, pretty cool. Now, another thing we, we do have in common, we are both uh, members of the uh, Forbes Technology uh, Council. How did that happen yes. for you? It's been a good experience for me. Uh, yeah, at first, I, I, I stumbled upon it, uh, just someone I knew and saw that they were writing these articles for Forbes. I'm like, hey, how'd they do that? And uh, you know, my original goal was just to get some exposure for the company and for myself, uh, just get our name out there, just have a place to uh, write content. I was already, uh, had created a lot of uh, uh, technical content that we had posted on our website. Um, so I was you know, already in a mode of I could sit down and crank out 750,000 words, which is something you need to be able to do if you're going to take advantage of the Forbes Tech Council. Um, but it, it's just been a really good experience having your name out there, having it associated with Forbes, you're posting your stuff on LinkedIn. I get to meet interesting people like yourself and uh, uh, come across that and find out what they're doing. And uh, so from a just a name recognition and, you know, marketing awareness, brand awareness. It's been a, it's been a good thing for us. Yeah. And, and I think like there are really a lot of um, benefit in um, being a, a member of the Forbes Technology Council. Probably my number one uh, benefit is yeah, the ability to network with you know, CEOs and C-level people really across the entire world. That's, that's been really, really uh, rewarding, make, making um, connection. Uh, which which one is your favorite benefit so far? You definitely talked about the ability of the opportunity to write as well. Just the the brand awareness uh, for myself and the company has just been the main thing. Uh, yeah, just yeah, I, I which leads to the networking component of it all. Yes. Uh, I've had things out there. Yeah, I wrote one article a while back, and some guy at Google, uh, you know, reposted or shared it on LinkedIn and reposted and wrote some comments about it. And he was pretty high up in the organization. I was yes. like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> and it, you know, I don't know if that guy would have taken my connection or ever uh, traded, exchanged anything with me. So just the awareness leads to the networking connections and all that. So Wonderful. Okay, now we are coming to the part of the podcast where I ask you my seven favorite questions, starting with number one. All right. What is the greatest lesson you have learned? I stick to it. Just uh, you always have to work through things. Uh, just whatever you decide to do, put some thought into is this what I what I'm good at, what's good at, what's best for me, what's best for my company, and just making a plan and sticking to it. Um, that, yeah, sometimes it's a grind and sometimes you doubt yourself, but at the end of the day, if you went into this and you know what you're doing and you're good at it, stick to it. Don't let it, don't let it, anything distract you from it. Hmm. So what do you think is the secret of your success? I'm going to tip my hand to one of your other questions. 
Uh, one of my background, I used to be a fairly competitive runner. I uh, mm. went to college on a track scholarship. I was a distance runner. And while I was uh, uh, not the best guy out there, I was good enough to compete at a fairly high level for quite some time. Wow. And I, that, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, definitely for formative for me. Um, okay. We're going to run, uh, 20 quarters today in 64 seconds or under do it. Um, that's a rough workout. <laughs> and, yes. uh, um, so yeah, you have to, you know, in some ways it's a grind, but you know, it definitely gets you realizing that I can do this. And it is something that just a lot of people cannot do. It's rough to do. And that, you know, if you, if you, people who run high school cross country definitely learn how to stick to something for a little bit longer than a lot of other people. It just gets yes. ingrained inside the training program. So just, yeah, I had some uh, um, genetic gifts that allowed me to be a little bit better than most people with that. And, uh, able to use it but that definitely provided me a lot of life lessons that is that is quite interesting i remember when i joined the navy first of all i didn't know how to swim and second i wasn't a runner but uh i quickly had to learn right uh but but you are uh absolutely right i think i, I guess the endurance you you get when when you just felt like i don't mind as much anymore i, I mostly do the, the bike now because uh, my knee is starting having issues but anyway you get right and and, and let me actually I've been, I've been trying to do uh, yoga with uh, my wife and and, and and so forth which is actually very very nice i used to, to think it was for sissies or something but no it's actually very very good uh, it, it it really works on your stamina for uh, sure but 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 i guess what i what i'm saying is uh, when you exercise like that the uh, you learn to endurance right just to to, to go through it sometimes i remember the very first time I had to run just a mile and, and but halfway through it, I thought I was going to die. It's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm going to die. I need to stop. But it's like, no, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. And then before you know it, you are keep able going. to achieve it. Keep going. Right? It can be done. It can be done. It is keep going. So. And, and you can definitely apply that in, in life, work, uh, school, or no, whatever else uh, you, you really set uh, your, your mind to um, business. Like, keep, keep going. You've got this, right? And uh, so, what is the greatest leadership advice you have ever received? Greatest leadership advice? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go back to the, the one I kind of shared earlier. Just uh, mm -hmm. what are core values? Hire and fire to those. Um, that was one that uh, uh, I was with a business council or a different one at the time. And we had some speakers mm -hmm. and that was something that definitely stood out to me. Um, and I really enjoyed that one. So decide what you stand for and in your business, hire and fire according to that. That is so important. So question number two, what are you learning now? I know our leaders are learners. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm curious about so many things. Um, technology wise, there is always something new coming down the pipeline. Um, I would say the thing that's really kind of been on my radar lately is uh, just low code, no code tools. And uh, inevitably, we are seeing a lot of companies, digital transformation is the phrase that everyone's using these days. What exactly does that mean? At the end of the day, it means that we have a 
bunch of IT projects all going on at the same time. And odds are one of them is dealing with Agile and moving everybody to Agile, moving something over to DevOps and covering a lot of other things with that. Um, there are a lot of new technology solutions uh, that, you know, my version is that they're really covering a lot of the last one of a lot of applications. Uh, or they're appropriate for smaller companies. Every company is a software company at the end of the day. Every company is a software company. And you know, and here's the analogy I use. Two restaurants, they're both good quality, they're both in good locations. One of the companies integrates very well with all the food delivery apps, has some type of texting main, uh, devices where people driving up, they can actually say, I'm in spot one and food comes out. Uh, who integrate with their social media you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money on integrating these things for a restaurant there are a lot of these low code no code solutions that can get you to that place the one restaurant that has invested in some software and some technology to do that is going to surpass the revenues of the one that does it even if the food all things all other things being equal and if yeah. no other you know easier mom and pop example business a restaurant so if a restaurant can do something like that what can all the other companies do and yes the the bigger budget items are definitely something that's out there but you can do a lot with these low code no code solutions even the biggest companies can do a lot of things because at the end of the day you know your it department and the software developers there's only so many people there and they're focusing on the big projects and there's always not all knock out a big chunk of that list um, with some low code, no code solutions and just seeing how they work and understanding it and getting some demos is something I've just been spending some time on and uh, really understanding just the power of some of these uh, pro, uh, of these platforms. And they could do some really interesting things for some companies. Well, I, I really like what, what you said. I think it was in 2014 when I moved to Silicon Valley where I really understood that, like you said, every company is a software company. Some of them just don't realize it. <laughs> But even when yeah. you think about about cars, right, like Forbes, it's nothing but a super computer on wheels. Uh, if you think about Walmart, it's really a technology a company. It just happens to have a bunch of uh, stuff and merchandise uh, for uh, sale. But but yeah, uh, everything we do today, uh, technology is pretty much the um, basis uh, uh, for it. Wow. And uh, what is you think the greatest investment you have made in yourself? Greatest investment in myself, just me taking time to educate myself on new things and it, it, when i was programming and taking the bus to work i was the guy who had the yeah, programming book on the new technology um i would always invest a lot of time in just learning something new I always had a new book always reading something else always getting some code samples um, even we're talking about low code stuff these days, you know, it's, it, it's become a habit. Uh, it's always allowed me to try and stay a step ahead of everything else that was going on and to come up with some new ideas. I mentioned early on, I was that guy who was always the one going out and, you know, going to salespeople and coming up with the solutions. Oh, this is broken, stick Dave and on. Well, that was why. And because I was always investing myself and in trying to stay a step ahead technology wise. And you can't learn everything under the sun, but you can, as you start digging into it, you 
reading about something, you read an article and you say, hey, here's something new that's coming that's related to what I'm doing. And I just were, always had a list of this is what I'm going to learn about next. And then after that, it's going to be this. Yeah. And I changed things on the list. Uh, I guess something else cooler or neater would come up on it. But yeah, it, it would always be uh, investing and in learning something new and staying curious about it. Wow, that that is that is uh, so true. I think almost every success person I've ever seen, they always learning something new, and uh, they also use. I think Anthony Robbins was the first one I heard that use this this word uh, net net time, no extra time, what whatever time you have where uh, you are free, your your brain is free to do something else while your your body is doing something completely different, like even uh, working out, driving, or whatever the case might be, and you can be listening to uh, tapes or, or uh, yeah. learning podcasts. Yeah. Yes. Listening to a yeah, podcast like this be, one. Yeah, it used to be tapes and CDs. Now it's a podcast, yes. which are great. <laughs> so, yeah. I always got a running list of podcasts going on. So, absolutely. And this podcast, by the way, uh, should be on everywhere. Uh, podcasts are found in uh, about two hours after, after we, uh, we are done. And, and that is uh, so true today. It's just a, a, amazing how technology has really changed everything. So, uh, I know for every person who's successful, uh, that's what people see. But, uh, you must have had to have gone through some type of failure to get to where you are now. So how has failure shaped your life? Yeah, yeah. it's inevitable that things aren't going to work out. Um, you know, personally, business, it does. You just realize that, um, you know, just some things are not going to work out. You maybe thought they did. You learned something new along the way. Uh, the economic horizon changes, the events in your life change. It is knowing when to pull it and when to stop. Um, and that's a hard one to do. A lot of people wind up just beating their against the wall for a long time. It's, so I, mean, I have erred way too many times on sticking something out too long. Uh, and uh, maybe I should have stopped uh, with this business idea earlier. Uh, stopped with that relationship earlier, um, fired that person earlier. Yeah, none of those are good. Sometimes I have to look in the mirror and say, what do I need to change? And uh, maybe I need help figuring out what I need to change. Um, so, I mean, failure, just it's a, it's a teacher. Um, it's hard to really realize when you're at the point of I need to make a change. And sometimes that changes you. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, just people getting therapy and counseling and seeking that out. Don't don't make the assumption you have every answer. You know, do that personally. Do that for business. Um, you're going to be the better off for it. Uh, but once you feel like you've uncovered everything, you really have a good idea and you've sought outside counsel, it may be time to call some things. And it could be, yeah, just changing the business course or uh, letting somebody go, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, you know, yeah. there's the part I'm talking about earlier. You got to stick with it, stick with it. Um, you, you don't want to get lost in that to the point of I am, uh, I'm hurting myself now and I'm hurting the company. I'm hurting my family. You don't want to do that. So knowing, that, knowing where the boundary is. Yeah, and, and something you, you also mentioned, right? Uh, one of my mentors used to tell me every, everybody should have a uh, therapist. And uh, I, I believe everybody should have a coach as well. And sometimes they, they can really, really help when you kind of start. You know? Because I, I feel like we really have all of the uh, 
answers hidden in us, but sometimes you need help from somebody else to kind of elicit that answer uh, from you. Just bring a lot of clarity in, in what needs to be done. There is power and wise counsel of someone who is uh, completely objective to your scenario, doesn't have the emotional buy-in, but is wise enough to know to what are the right questions to ask and is not just going to be a yes person for you. He's going to ask, yes. ask tough questions. A good coach, a good therapist, you should be uncomfortable at times in those conversations. And if you are not, then, then you know, perhaps you need a better therapist or coach. So that, that, is, that is so true. So for question number four, uh, who do you know whom we should know? Who are your mentors, uh, thought leaders you are following now? I, I would say one person I'm really kind of uh, recently enthralled with is Scott Galloway. Um, he is, uh, I guess his day job is a professor at NYU School of Marketing. Uh, he has a couple of podcasts and he has some books. Um, some people see him as a talking head on uh, some of the uh, cable news shows at different times. Um, he moves around a lot. Um, it, he is a thought leader in tech and business, it has some really edgy creative takes on a lot of current events on a lot of things that have been happening uh just out in the news cycle recently and, and just to uh draw a point uh, i think it was last week um uh twitter uh ceo um just resigned and uh yeah this guy scott galloway was commenting on that for at least a year if not longer saying twitter needs a new ceo you know, who they have right now is just a part-time CEO and uh, look at the stock price. It's the same stock price it has been for the last five years and everyone else in tech has gone up seven, eight fold and Twitter's <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, anyway, so if you were to listen to him, you would get some takes like that. And uh, yeah, I find a lot of things that he says very compelling. Nice, yeah. I, I found him as Scott Galloway, clinical professor of marketing at uh, New York University. Looks like the latest book he wrote is post-corona. Definitely some, someone yes, post we, we should follow. Uh, yeah. Any Anyone else you'd like to uh, mention? Um, besides BZ, yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he is one I'm really, you know, uh, paying a lot of attention to. Just other podcasts I really kind of uh, uh, enjoy and kind of keep me up. Um, uh, Business Wars is one I really enjoyed that uh, provides a lot of history about different things and certain things that have gone on and how companies got to be where they were mm -hmm. and how one company in, began to coexist or not coexist with another. If you want the history on Coke versus Pepsi, that's a good place to get yes. it. But it's also a whole lot of eBay versus PayPal, what happened with mm -hmm. them way back in the day. So these are some, you know, some historic things and some recent things that are really uh, good things for uh, I've enjoyed so. No, this this is great. Really, uh, using uh, modern uh, history, right? Uh, history we've been living and really uh, learning from this business. Like one that always baffles my mind is Blockbuster and Netflix. It's it's really crazy how they had the chance to purchase Netflix. For They've done nothing. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, in fact, they 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 specifically uh, did Netflix versus Blockbuster. Yeah. They 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 dug deep into that. So. Yes. And uh, the way that they do their podcasts, it's kind of interesting. Have actors, you know, playing the roles of certain people and doing some storytelling, and they fast forward to certain events, and uh, you know, so it will be like blockbuster Netflix. 
that would wind up being about a series of seven or eight or nine podcasts that they string together. So yeah. really good storytelling. What what a uh, what a lost opportunity, and uh, today Netflix is number one across the board in blockbuster. I think they still have one store. I think in Alaska, if I remember correctly. But uh, yes, yes, <laughs> it used to be in every city, everywhere in in, in the U.S. Actually, one of my uh, mentors, she was president of Blockbuster.com at the time, and uh, her superior completely ignored her and. Uh, they uh, decided to, to go a different direction. But anyway, she, she left the, the company, like they say, the rest is history. So if you could choose three people to have dinner with you, who would you choose and why? And they, they could be people from history, but they don't have to be contemporary. Yeah, I, 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 I tipped my hand earlier on that one. Roger Bannister, uh, Jim Ryan, Alberto Salazar. Um, Roger Bannister, the first person to break a four-minute mile. Um, yes. and, uh, that was my event and, uh, just that was such a barrier, such a hurdle. So many people had gotten close and never mm -hmm. crossed that threshold. And he was the first one to do it. Um, uh, that was a huge achievement. He was actually the first person on the cover of sports, sports illustrated. Um, the very first sports illustrated had him on it. Uh, Jim Ryan goes the first American to do that. Or, I'm sorry, he's the, not the first American, but the first high school American to do it. And he did it on a cinder track. Wow. Um, and and uh, just, you know, when I was uh, running in high school, we, you know, we used a cinder track uh, for, at our local high school at the time. And just thinking, wow, just doing that on one of these. That's wow. Um and uh, Alberto Salazar, when I was uh, competing, he was the big deal at the time. Uh, he's now one of the coaches uh, up, you know, the Nike Oregon project. Um, I've actually met him, didn't have dinner with him, but I did get the opportunity to meet him. And he was just a, a maverick. Uh, <laughs> feet to his own drum and how he trained and how he worked out. He had successes and he had failures. Um, there was a period of time he was just on top of the world and the best thing that was out there. Um, and, uh, you know, he's had some controversies recently, but uh, he's still one of my idols, you know, for a long time. And so, yeah, just there's a lot to learn from these guys. And, you know, we talk about the persistence thing. These are individuals who could talk quite a bit about that and talk quite a bit about how to overcome mental hurdles. Um, being the first person to break a four hundred mile. That's a mental hurdle that is, yeah, that, that was out there. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And then after he did it, now everybody is doing it. But before him, it was like impossible, impossible. I not say everybody. <laughs> well, many, 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 many people can. But yeah, yes, it's, uh, yes. it is incredible. Uh, <laughs> I think, was it uh, Nelson Mandela who said, uh, 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 I, I can't remember the quote exactly now but 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 basically something about um, doing the uh, impossible right and just getting getting things uh done which which is quite uh incredible especially being the very first person to do to do something so what what have you read that we should read uh, what are some of um, the best book you've read recently uh Recently, best book I've read, I'm uh, still uh, about to finish up, You Are a Badass, uh, Jen Sicaro. 
Roll. Oh gosh, I'm gonna. S's, C's, I's, and E's are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, SCI, Sicanero. Uh, you're, you're gonna look that up. Put that in a link in there somewhere. Uh, it, it was just, you know, it got handed to me uh, at yes, a really Jen, good time. Jen here. Cicero, right? Jen Cicero. Sincero. Yes, thank you. Um, it, it's just a, it's a confidence builder book. It is, so, you know, her voice coming out at you and just saying. You know, find out what you're good at, stick to it. Just you can do this. Um, it is, you know, if you want some confidence and if you're someone out there thinking about starting their own business, as a lot of people are, um, that is definitely one that should be on your bookshelf um, about what to, you know, what to read and, yeah, just getting some confidence. Uh, I'm going to pin an addendum on your question. Uh, I gave uh, my children... Uh, 10 books to read uh, a while back. And it was 10 books that really influenced me. And uh, if you yeah, know that this is a tech crowd, uh, here's an oldie, but a goodie Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Um, mm. And uh, for, and I would say that book, I read that early in my life, um, introduced a concept to me. And it's not the only thing in the book, black box and what is the black box you know if you ask a uh, child how a bicycle works they're going to tell you you get on the pedals and you press down and the bicycle goes well you ask a mechanical engineer how a bicycle works you're going to get much more detailed <laughs> much more in-depth answer and they're going to talk about torque they're going to talk about friction they're going to you know just a lot of things that they're going to start bringing up and telling you how every component and gears and everything how it works at the end of the day, if we're in technology, there's always a smaller black box. And if you keep on understanding what's inside of this and what's inside of that, and just try and understand the next level, you're going you're going to be able to a just compartmentalize technical problems a little bit better and learn how to solve things a little bit better and just know I need to dig into this next layer. Um, wow. So anyone, yeah, youthful in their uh, technical career. Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. That is uh, very uh, nice. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for making those uh, recommendations there. And uh, for question number six, what have you done that we should do? What is one action you've taken that has positively impacted your life? I have just always yeah i feel like i'm just repeating but just stuck with it always mm-hmm. willing to grind, always willing to do something more to keep the vision going um the yeah you know, some advice i should probably take care of or, or take heed more myself uh take care of yourself um yes. watch what you eat watch what your you know your physical body you know i'm carrying around some extra COVID weight at the moment but uh, for the most part, I've been a guy who's been pretty fit my entire adult life. And, uh, yep, uh, just pressures and things like that and life getting in the way. It's easy to get off of that bandwagon about uh, taking care of yourself. And the older you get, the harder, it's, harder it is to get back on. Um, you know, and that's advice I need to take for myself. But take care of your physical body. It's the only one you got. Uh, do a whole lot with it. Um, keep it tuned up. <laughs> um, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Have a treat, is, but be careful about it. That is very, very wise, uh, especially post COVID, right? Because prior to COVID, I know in Silicon Valley, it was a really crazed uh, work culture. People would be working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week and stuff and really not care. Take care of you know, what I believe is your temple, the, the only body you've, you've, you've got. And it's very, very important to really do that. And take care of your emotion, emotional health also. Uh, yes. Absolutely. And so, uh, what is one action you are thinking about taking that you believe will uh, positively impact your life in the near future? What action I'm going to be taking? Yes. Anything you're thinking about taking? You know, I I would say that uh, where I'm going, you know, with the company and career-wise, it has, I am talking to more and more companies about their technical talent strategies. Um, I have, you know, I, I'm unique in a way here. I've done a lot of recruiting for companies, but I've also got the technical skills and I've been in their shoes where they're hiring. Um, there are a lot of, you know, go figure most tech people and IT managers and things like that only hire when they're trying to fill a spot, you know, how many times a year. Um, and a lot of recruiters have no idea what a lot of these things are and they you know mm-hmm. spit this a lot of recruiters think agile is a software product um <laughs> and if you think that well there's a lot of other things you know not gonna yes. it's not to be a, a, a ding on recruiters um because their job is to try and find people but you know at the end of the day there's a lot of people who are doing recruiting who are just matching keywords which is part of the job um and someone who can match a little bit better is better than someone who cannot but you know, the understanding what people are doing and matching that to companies, it is such a really different type of market now than it ever has mm-hmm. been before. The number of IT jobs is going to be doubling in 10 years. I actually started saying that in 2017, and so far from 2017 wow. to 2021, it's on pace. Um, yes. During the worst of the pandemic, the unemployment rate for IT people only went up to 4.3%. Wow. Um, that was the second lowest segment of the economy, and the only one that had a lower unemployment rate. Late, unemployment rate was legal, um, and when you think about, there are certain segments of the economy that had a 37, 38 percent unemployment rate. Only went up to 4.3. I mean, when we're at 4.3 as a yes. whole, man, we are cooking as an economy. Um, the amount of new technology that's coming out and how companies are adapting everything and these digital transformation projects are getting greenlit more and more. The demand for people with tech skills has never been higher. It's mm-hmm. only going to get more and more uh, or more and more demand. Um, sure. And posting a job on Monster and LinkedIn or indeed it just isn't enough anymore. If you're really looking to expand, you really need to hire technical people. Um, and companies need to realize that, that it's really, it's changed in the last 18 months. A lot of companies were behind in terms of what they're doing to try and bring people in even more so now. Um, it, it's just the great resignation, the great reassessment, whatever we want to call it, what people want, what people are demanding from their jobs is very different. And uh, technology is important to your company and you want to grow and you need the talent to do it. Uh, Things that you have to go about to get these people to come to you is a little bit different. Um, So we are increasingly talking to more and more companies about not just 
you know, you, yeah, we can help you recruit, but you know what? You need to think a little bit different about how you're going to bring people in and how to keep the people you have, um, yes. which is very important. So yeah, we're, we're doing yeah. more and more of that. And uh, yeah, just trying to find, you know, more companies that want to talk to and, yeah, uh, look, yeah. We're talking about the great res resignation now. Tell us a little bit of, about that. What would you recommend most business owners there do to kind of keep the great talent they already have so they don't just walk out the door? Provide interesting work, give them a sense of what well, you're belonging to something, uh, training and certifications. Um, and when I say interesting work, I mean, if you are, hey, we want to uh, you know, change how we're doing the file share on our network. Okay, we're in the <laughs> wrong talking. I, I, I literally just heard that um, a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, who's going to want to work on that? No one wants to work on that. Um, <laughs> you, you, you have to do some type of technical projects where people feel like they're really making an impact on something. And that's just, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, you need to move everybody to, to machine learning or AI. But you know what? If you have a software, software company, a product, uh, you have a lot of data, are you looking at AI? Are you looking at machine learning? Do you give some of your people, that team, hey, go yes. each of you guys, let's go off on this for six months and figure something out and see what we can do with it. Just give us a sample project with it. That is something that you could do. And there's lots of things you can do. Hey, what are we doing cybersecurity wise? <laughs> Let's, uh, hey, these network engineers, how are we doing against the NIST framework? Like, you know, is anyone looking into that? Maybe we should. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, so provide interesting work, um, training and certification, that's gold right now certification training that's currency to technical people certification wow. and training is currency to technical people and if you are a place that is investing in people you're uh, you, you're able to give them some of that um that's a draw people want to go there i would say just on the infrastructure side people working on the cloud the hardware the cybersecurity certifications is highly highly important that's what companies want to hire based off of. If you're on the software development side, exposure mm -hmm. to different technologies is really what companies want. So think of it in terms of that. Um, but it, and above and beyond all that, people want a sense of purpose. They want to belong to something. They want to feel yes. like they're really making an impact, but their work has something to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, um, we, we, we have uh, one client that we're working with right now. Uh, where they're, you know, they're involved in the food supply chain. Uh, they have software related to that. And when we're recruiting for them and talking to people about going to work for them, uh, that's an easy sell. You know, supply chain's in there. Do you care about what you eat? Do you go to the store and you look <laughs> at labels? If you do, you're going to have an impact on some of these things. Okay, this is a sense of purpose that we can really push. And if you are in a business like that, that's great. You know, another client that we had, um, that they made uh, uh they were in fracking <laughs> and mm. uh yeah you know okay in houston and people are gonna you know be into that but you know we definitely absolutely uh talk to some people like, yeah i don't know i don't want to go there uh well then we sell what the, what they're doing technologically wise and we that was the yes. pitch so just you have to get people something that they want to believe in a lot of companies are sitting on some really products they could push more or businesses that they could really sell the mission of that business 
Um, find out what that is, make it part of the reason for being there. You're going to have an impact on this event. So. Wow, that was very impactful. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people in the audience can definitely uh, use uh, something and apply it now. Uh, if you had one and only one day to live, what would you have liked your final contribution to be? It's really just imparting everything I know that's good onto my children. <laughs> um, I've... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I've hoped I've, uh, you know, helped some people guide, you know, get some guidance in their careers and understand certain things that have gone on and made some better career choices. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's about my family. It's about my kids. And, you know, have I am, you know, imparted this knowledge upon them? Hopefully I don't wait the last day of my life to do that. And uh, uh, I'm trying to do that more every day. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah that's what matters at the when it's all said and done yeah i think that's definitely uh, one of the most important thing in life right I've, I've never heard of anybody on their deathbed saying oh i'd like to spend an extra hour at work i'd like to finish an extra project right it's it's uh definitely important now we are already a couple of minutes over our time thank you so much for being generous very very last question if i can ask you is how can we add value to you what could we do to make a difference yeah, if you're a company, you're in technology, you have a software product, you're an MSP, you have a big IT department, and you're, you know, you're probably realizing it is. We're having people walking out the door. We're not too sure why. We're struggling to bring people in. What's going on with this? And it's more than just, oh, recruiters, come help us find us and we'll pay you a big fee. Talk to me and I can help you with this. I can talk to you about that. Um, there, there's things are going on there out there in the marketplace. We still help with, with the recruiting and it's still something that we can do, but we are talking to more people about what's, you know, here's what's going on in the technical talent market. You need a strategy to actually start bringing these people in. Uh, let's have a conversation about it. Good. Thank you so much, David, for your time. Really appreciate that. And we have uh, both your LinkedIn profile and uh, the link to your business. Uh, in the description of this podcast. Again, in a couple hours, you should be able to find it everywhere podcasts are found. And thank you so much for your time today, David. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Enjoy. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channels and come back for more wisdom nuggets on how you may develop into a better leader and achieve greater levels of success. Leadership is the most critical skill. The world will always need leaders to lead others, deploy the next disruptive technology, or execute a business strategy. You may as well decide on counting yourself among the 21st century leaders. See you right here next time on the Leadership and Success Podcast with Coach BZ.